welcome to the Community Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Deb Shell. On this podcast, I share conversations with leaders of purpose-driven, private-paid online communities that bring together like-minded members for transformation to better their life, career, relationships, and well-being. As a community strategist, I help entrepreneurs build, launch, and grow online paid communities on Mighty Networks. And to learn more about working with me, please visit my website, findcalmhere.com. That's F-I-N-D-C-A-L-M-H-E-R-E.com. I help entrepreneurs find calm in the process of launching an online community. So uh, check that out, please. I want to ask you, do you have a strategy question that you are struggling with, something, a challenge? Uh, if you do, I want to start answering some questions uh, through uh, the podcast. Uh, it's a new thing I want to try. So please shoot me an email at deb at findcalmhere.com. And I will uh, review any questions I get in the next episode. I will add a answer section for any questions that I do get once I get some. So send an email to deb at findcalmhere.com. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to introduce today's guest. Melanie uh, Arison is the founder of and CEO of Panion and a community management platform that helps people build more empathy and meaningful connections into online communities. She has a bachelor's in anthropology from Columbia University and an MFA in a documentary filmmaking from the School of Visual Arts in New York City, which I'm interested to hear more about because I'm a graphic and photographer as well. So um, an artist as well. So and that's exciting. I'm, I'm super excited to have Melanie here. Uh, you also had worked for Apple for three years, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. you're a freelance filmmaker, photographer, designer, and you've been running Panion which is your platform since 2018. So welcome, Melanie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're so exciting to connect with you. I think you and I met like on uh, the Slack, on the CMX Slack. Is that where we met? Yeah, yeah probably some, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, you. Like founded this this community management platform, but how did you get to, to that point? What What came before that? So, well, a lot of things, as, as you mentioned, I've <laughs> dabbled here and there. So I've always been really interested in, in traveling and different cultures, but I've also, um, since I was young, been, been an artist. And I think in high school, I went to this art high school where we had like a balance between how much art you take and how, how much you actually like do academics. And um, <laughs> I, I discovered I really liked photography like you and uh, ended up building a dark room in my basement, getting really into into shooting. And um, then when I started traveling, I realized, wow, I really like documentary, photography, and people. And I got really into people and, and shooting people. And that kind of also led me to anthropology. So I knew I was really into like images and I was really into people. I, I kind of merged them together and started traveling and taking pictures of things happening that were interesting to me. Um, and discovering, you know, new cultures through the people, and eventually deciding to go back and get a master's in in filmmaking and documentary, because I I really discovered that there were limitations to still photography that that I I um, were running into when I when I started to hear the stories of the people I was photographing, and I was like, wow, I need to learn how to like capture what they're saying as well, and and that was like 
the beginning. And, and uh, so I started doing documentary and I ended up going on a, getting my master's and going on a Fulbright uh, to Sweden. And in Sweden, wow. yes, this is like a long journey. In Sweden, I opened a film production company and yeah, I started making documentaries there. And um, I also made a fiction film there that was kind of like based on real stories and and there and and a lot of the film I was doing it was at the height of the Syrian war and Sweden had opened its door to anyone who could could make it to their borders so I started making films about like the refugee experiences in Sweden and that led me to hearing a lot of stories similar to my own which was I'm in a new country I'm an adult and I have to start over making friends and how do I do that because there's a lot of people in this world and there's a lot of people that I might not connect with. There's a lot of people I know I could connect with. And a lot of that is based on us sharing interests, values, experiences. And I was hearing this recurring story uh, as I experienced it myself, which was it's really hard to make friends as an adult, uh, That that especially because you know yourself better, you know like what you like in a person, what you don't. So I had this idea to create a, a, an app to connect people through common interests targeted at people who moved to new places and had to relocate again. And that wow. <laughs> that was the beginning of Panion. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> so yeah, and that turned into a community management platform because we got uh, hit over the head with a pandemic and suddenly a, a platform for meeting people in person was like the last thing you should be doing <laughs> during a pandemic. So <laughs> Then it evolved into community management. So uh, I can dig deeper into that, but I let you say something. <laughs> That's amazing. What a journey. And we have so many parallel things in my personal life. I went to school for photojournalism. I wanted to be a newspaper photographer, photojournalist. And in in when I graduated college in 2005, uh, newspapers were kind of dying. So <laughs> Yeah, I had the same thing. Like being a photojournalist, I tried the same. And it's like you're on the front line with like 40 other people. And then the person who took the f picture with their iPhone was the one that got on the cover. And then they paid them like $20 for the photo. Like it just died. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I went to school at a time and and learned this this practice. I printed my entire portfolio in a black and white and colored dark rooms. Mm -hmm. during, uh, right when 9-11 when happened in 2011 is actually when I was printing my portfolio that day. I was in Pittsburgh and we got evacuated from the city because there was warnings and um, it was crazy. But yeah, I so I so can resonate with the struggle around that of just try, trying to make it as a professional creative who really wants to tell the story of others, because I think that was what was really impactful for me was this idea of storytelling and and sharing and giving a voice to people who don't have, you know, a platform, don't have a way to to share their journey. And mm -hmm. I really got into that. If I had if I had maybe a different direction. I probably would have went the way you did with filmmaking because I really wanted to to learn about filmmaking, but I wasn't uh, in the in the place to do that. But um, so many parallels. So, but <laughs> it makes sense of why. So you, you, and this is what it brings a lot of people into community, right? In the industry is because you basically come in for all kinds of different reasons and you realize that you've been a community builder probably for a really long time. And then you 
we're trying to solve your own problem because you experience this like I don't even have friends, but I don't even know like maybe the guy sitting or the gal sitting at, at a at a pub next door or a coffee shop they might not be the right person to be friends with, right? Or they might not have time or or who who knows. So I love this idea of connecting around travel and saying you know like especially if you're not super outgoing like I became you know, an, an activator is somebody who just walks up to people because I had to. In journalism, you have to walk up to people all the time and ask them their story or ask them challenging questions. But no, but everybody has had that experience. And it's harder for people to like strike up conversations with people that they don't know mm-hmm. in, in a in a situation. So I feel like this actually is such a, a amazing way to like build that bridge when people are in that space and we didn't need it more than ever. Your, your app came at the perfect time during the pandemic when people really needed it. Right. Yeah, it, it did. And I'm kind of kicking myself for pivoting and becoming a, a B2B platform because it turned out that it was okay that we had an app that was about meeting in person because we could have just allowed people to connect and meet in person when the pandemic was over, but we got really nervous and we were like, Oh no, we need to, become something else. And we spent like quite a bit of time trying to take what we learned from the B2C kind of app that anyone could sign up to and create the same experience within private communities. Um, So the same like common interests and finding people who, you know, had overlaps with you, but within like a smaller circle. And in some sense, we did a lot of user testing and people were kind of like, okay, this person and I like tennis, but that's it. Like, why should we be friends? Because we both have like tennis in our profiles. And we did start to realize that it is deeper than that. There needs to be quite a bit of overlaps and not just hobbies, but values or shared experiences. And it became a bit more complex. But we did decide to kind of move towards community building. And then I think the other reason, honestly, is because the, the moderation was just killer. I mean, you try to build something beautiful for people who need it and thousands and thousands of people are coming on trying to sell porn and Bitcoin and everything else. And you're spending mm. all of your resources as a tiny company trying to keep them off instead of being able to build, continue building something beautiful for the people that are there for the right reason. So we thought, why can't community managers just moderate their communities and we don't need to and we can have these like spaces and give them the tools. And uh, yeah, I mean, it. There's so many obstacles you would never think of, and it can really drain a small a small company trying to grow when you hit those kinds of obstacles. Yeah, that's some great examples. And I think as most of our audience that's listening is probably solo entrepreneurs or maybe you know small entrepreneur, small business that is wearing a lot of hats. Like maybe they have one virtual assistant or like maybe two or three like part-time team members or something like that. But most likely they're wearing a lot of hats. And so when you were experiencing this and the amazing resilience that you have to keep kind of like pivoting is really inspiring. Um, How did you, yeah, what, what do you think helped you to keep going with all of these challenges that you were facing? Hmm. I'm just a very stubborn person. I think (laughs) actually not going to give up, not going to give up. No, I, I go down kicking and screaming for, for with most things, but I I don't know I I really believed in in trying to be impactful in some way, shape, or form. And also, you get a lot of 
even if you have all these challenges, you do get those people. I mean, I, we did get these people who were like, I came to Sweden alone and your app helped me make friends. I am now going to the wedding of someone who I met on your app. I, we even had people on our team who ended up moving places and using it and, and like finding people, building friendships. And we like even the positive stories really like outweigh everything else. Uh, and you feel like even if you impacted like you, you probably impacted more people, but even if you heard about just five, like it's such a nice warm feeling that you could create something that, that helps people uh, overcome a challenge. Uh, and I think we started to dig into different challenges out there during the pandemic. It was all about connection and meaningful connection. And um, so we got really, you know, passionate about trying to solve the problem. And I think Besides Mighty Networks, there weren't really many other community platforms when we started doing this. Then they all kind of started exploding during the pandemic. But there were maybe like a couple of like Hybrid, a couple others that were like there, but it wasn't a huge topic yet. Um, and so we were doing that. But again, you know, it becomes like this race <laughs> where you all try to try to like build something fast enough. And, but I think what's different about our platform and how we really distinguished ourselves is that we did come from this place of trying to solve um, the fact that we have so many places to meet people online and we have so many places to share content, but we lose those meaningful interactions. They get drowned out in noise. And we were trying to find a way to design something that, that went back to finding the right people within the right the right context um, and building more meaningful connections. And for us, that was being more people-focused. So the design was really about feeling like those people are there with you and not hidden behind posts and content. And, you know, we you can share content, but it isn't it, the way that we've kind of prioritized things in the platform is really about, like, reaching out to the people, getting to know the people, finding what their interests are, um, and networking and, and less like a forum, which I know is very useful for a lot of people, like products communities, for example. So we kind of found our niche, which is really the, the more about the, the connecting and maybe a placeholder for being able to do that in, in real life. What would you say the structure is if I were to say like the community structure of your platform? Is it more events focused? Uh, is it more conversational with written content, blogs or posts? We're really focused on the member directory. Uh, everything is about being able to dig into the member directory and find people based on um things that they tag their profile with, then reaching out and talking with them. So one-on-one, -on -one, group, um, we have the ability to have group discussions as, as well, like more on a post, in the post format. But I think the thing that, that really like says as a part is more the, the emphasis on the member directory and like knowing who's inside the community and like kind of looking for those connections. We've also been really interested in exploring matchmaking and mentorship and like how community managers can help facilitate the connections because often you do have at the beginning anyways, community managers who are, who are the glue, they know a lot of those people better than the people know each other and, and can, and also because they have like a bigger overview from a different perspective, they can start to see like which types of people might, might uh, connect well with each other. So exploring those kinds of things, like how can we get people to, how can we facil facilitate more connections inside our community? 
um, and in giving tools that make it easy to identify that and to be able to find find those connections and make sure that they happen. Yeah, it sounds like so what I'm understanding is that you started with the B2C market of like going right to consumers who and targeting your ideal member was probably people who were traveling, you know, pretty, pretty consistently or often. And then because people stopped traveling during the pandemic, that's when is that when you decided to switch over to the business model of like B2B? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then the, with the new shift to B to B, and, and you because you learned about you're you're not just uh, you're you learned a lot from that experience, and so and you had some issues that came up. So B to C is typical communities are places where people because it's a public forum a lot of the time you have the problem with spamming, but the opposite problem I don't know if you've experienced this, but B to B is a little bit harder to get people to come and talk. Is that? Is that something that you've worked on or experienced? Yeah. Engagement becomes the the number one issue for most uh, community managers. That's what we see. And I think one thing, it's also been hard for us to find our target customer because we notice that everyone thinks they want to build a community or that they need to build a community, but they don't really understand the amount of work and the ongoing maintenance that goes into that. So they come on and they think that our platform is just going to run their community for them. And we're like, no, you have to be engaging with people. You have to, you know, if you want to scale it, you need to find uh, uh, people, ambassadors or people to support to support and help you run that community. You need to create content. And I think a lot of people don't really know. They just hear it's like community is the new sexy thing and I should be doing it for my product or for my organization or whatever. And we we did see a lot of that where we had to find a balance between how much time we were spending on with talking to customers, realizing that it wasn't about like, how do I do this thing in your platform? It was about how do I run a community? And we're like, we can't like, we can't be community consultants full time and also be a a platform. So then I started connecting with community consultants thinking, okay, well, we can like connect people uh, and then they can take it from there. And, and that, that was, you know, obviously better, but I think people also, yeah, they think that it's, uh, it's easy to just set up a community and run, run a community. And it's, I mean, as you know, it's not easy at all. And I think, um, if there's a way for us to clarify that before we spend a lot of time talking to people who just are very like excited about the idea of having community, but haven't really maybe done all the research yet. Like this was a a challenge for us, I think at the beginning. I think, I think I can get what you're saying there for sure, because uh, I've had, I've had some people in the last year, two years who have come to me and wanted me to, to do, to help them as a consultant, which is great. And they're like, I want to do Muddy Networks. And then we get on calls and I said, okay, so where does your course live? They said they want to build a course and they want me to help them set it up on Muddy Networks. Great. Where does your course live? Um, It's in my head. That's the one answer I got. (laughs) And the other person said, oh, we'll have to write it up now. (laughs) <laughs> so I basically became like a course builder because I was putting, luckily I had a background in journalism. And so I could basically put words together as people were talking, I would just be typing and taking notes and then I would find ways to structure it. But I think the biggest challenge, like you're saying, is that 
people make a lot of assumptions and just hear this buzzword of community and then assume, oh, I just need to get a community as an additional thing to my business, right? To mm-hmm. to bring in more revenue and it'll be my like sales pipeline or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that perspective has been perpetuated by other platforms and, and in social media a lot as like mm-hmm. an easy way. And I think that, well, it's not easy. It doesn't have to be, community doesn't have to be hard, but it really isn't, nece- and we talked about this on one of our sessions recently inside the Find Calm Here community. It's not, I know we're talking about platforms, but it's not really about the platform. It's the purpose yeah. um, before the platform. So it's why are you bringing, who are you bringing together? You have to know who you're going to bring together. You have to know why they're coming together and what is in it for them. Because I think a lot of people miss, they think, oh, well, I'll just create this place. We'll put up some of our blog posts and then people will come and they'll just start talking. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this like conversation <laughs> with so many people is, and I ask them, what is the value that your members are getting from your community? I ask them at the beginning because I'm like this, if someone can answer this, I can understand the community very well. Right. Most people can't answer this question. So, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. And a B2B sense. And the people that you and I are probably working at with at different areas are are, are that challenge of, um, and some people, you know, and that's okay. You don't have to have, one of the things that I really work with people on is that you don't have to have a lot of content. And basically, we live in a world where we don't need encyclopedias anymore. We just go on Google and everything mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. All of the answers of life that any, you could ask Siri and she will tell you. We live in this amazing world where answers are literally something we can get in a second. Whereas we used to have to go to a library and go to the card, you know, if anybody remembers this, like going into like yep. finding the cards catalog and where the books are, <laughs> pulling out the book off the shelf, opening it up, reading it for maybe bunches of hours or days or weeks or months um, to, to understand something or learn something. Now people can go online, they click something, they listen, they learn and, and they move on. And because life is like that for us now, the complexity is that there's an oversaturation of content. We don't, we have way too much content. People want what people I'm learning, and this is probably something you've learned. They want somebody to help them navigate all of this content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing with Google, right? You can Google and find content, but you can't use Google to make meaningful connections. <laughs> Right. You can't use Google to find like a person in your neighborhood who already did the thing that you want to do last week to teach you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's so funny because I could read a book or watch an online course. But does that mean I'm going to implement what I've learned in my life? Maybe not. Maybe I need support from other people, encouragement or Mm -hmm. or ways and examples of how to implement it in my life. And that's what community does. It's really just around building connection with other human beings who want to speak with other human beings and be inspired or inspire others. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a powerful, when you're talking about maybe communities of practice or intentionality, and this is different from like uh, business, uh, you know, forum, right? It's a different use. And purpose. One thing I keep thinking about, and maybe you haven't, this might be a little bit, yeah, too far out there, but I keep wondering if there's like a breaking point with all this content. Like, is there a 
and I feel like I've already almost gotten there. But is there a point where we just cannot watch another video or not take another online course? Like we've hit that point where it's just we don't have the capacity anymore. Because like one thing I think about with community is we're always we're social beings and we're always going to need community, right? It's not going anywhere. This is like who we are. But with content and absorbing all of this information, I feel like it's different. I feel like it loses its meaning or it, like the fake news move, movement, fake news like <laughs> crisis. Um, all of it, it's so dangerous. And I feel like, are we going to hit this point where like I've hit the point where like I don't want to watch any more YouTube because I just can't consume anything else in my brain. But I'm just wondering like what does the future hold for us and content? It's a great question to ask. And I think from my experience as a content creator, as a writer, as a podcaster, as a person who loves to blog about travel and about community building, among other things, I also have projects that I'm doing. I also <laughs> make all kinds of things, right? And I am right now, I can tell you, honestly, I am tapped out from learning another platform. I'm in the process of doing a boot camp with my uh, podcast producer, Kalisa, and I can't learn yet another platform. I'm just kind of tapped out from learning. I feel in the last two years, I've learned so, so much tech that mm -hmm. I, I just cannot, cannot learn anymore. I just want to live my life and not spend 12 hours a day on my computer. So mm -hmm. I think it's more about people need support of intentionality of like, how do I make this practical in my life? Okay, if I want to mm -hmm. learn something, well, how can I make this an experience versus something I have to do? And I think that's where community can come in and learning in an untraditional way of storytelling examples mm -hmm. and basically, making it as physically simple as possible for people to implement and change their life. So I'm, for example, I was building out guides, step-by-step -step guides inside the Find Calm Here community. And it was taking me hours and hours and hours to <laughs> create this content. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't even know if it was being consumed and I didn't know if it was being used. So I started asking questions and and people were like, yeah, this is helpful. This is not. And, you know, they were giving me feedback. Um, and then I shifted my time. Well, partly because I had to for my business. I had to shift my time to consulting because that's what brought in the revenue dollars. Also, I realized people just want templates and checklists. Yeah. Like, they don't want to watch a 30-minute video on me right. talking about community <laughs> building. They want to quickly scan an article, be able to pull out a few key points that they can then implement, have a template that's going to give them a basically a copy and paste so that they can just customize the messaging for their community or whatever they're doing. And then they go and they do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's what they want. They want it easy. And so I think the challenge of a community leader and a community host and a community manager is how do we bring people together and make it easy and enjoyable and create this amazing experience for them where they want to be a part of it. They want to come back and they want to share it with others. Right. Yeah, definitely. I, I think about the communities that like, I'm, I mean like 150 like communities between Slack and Facebook and mighty networks and everything. And then I think about the ones I actually visit 
at least once a month or even once every three months. And like, I started to kind of try to figure out like, what is it about these communities that I go back to? And honestly, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, I go there when I have questions about something I'm doing or when I feel really overwhelmed and I need to read about other people's experiences to feel better that like, I'm not alone. You know, it's, it's these kinds of things. And then it's really about like, yeah, knowledge, like where can I find this thing? How can I do this thing? I I recently became a mom and like those communities around like feeding your baby, having, helping with getting your baby to sleep or just local things in, in, I live in Lisbon, uh, things happening for children like that I was just not aware of because I didn't have any before. I mean, all of these things are are the communities that I'm, that I'm engaging in. Um, And honestly, like I'm not engaging every day. I'm, I don't have the capacity for that, but yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point to say two things I want to pull out from that is when I talk to people like clients that I work with, I say, what communities are you in and what communities are your members in? Have you done that research of discovery interviews or ideal member interviews to identify where they're already hanging out online? Because when we're talking about building an online community, well, if they're not even hanging out anywhere online now, it might be a little harder of a sell to mm-hmm. get them to come online versus if they're used to being in person for something, mm-hmm. um, if you're only focusing on an online experience. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing you were saying <laughs> was just so you have a life, you have a kid, you have, you, yeah. have, you have other things that are happening. And this idea or notion that people are going to come into your community every single day, mm-hmm. you know, and consume or create or click like or share or, you know, comment. That's, I feel like it's un, it's, it's ex- expectations that are not realistic. Yeah. It's unrealistic expectations because that is just not the way our lives are in a daily world. I can see from average muddy networks that I'm in and uh, that I run, they are looking at maybe visiting that community two to three times a week at the high end. Yeah. And on the mid range, it's more like, once every other week yeah and then on the low end it's like the month once a month right try explaining that to investors in tech where they're like we want all this engagement and why like what is your you know like what is their return rate how many minutes are they spending inside the community all of this stuff and you're like this is not a video game well and what's the point of all of that what's the point of the analytics even if you could say all of that, if you pulled all those metrics together for one month and you said in the month of the month of May, we, you know, X amount of users and here's how much time I spent. What's the point? What's the purpose of that for the business for them? Is that equal sales? Are you connecting that to to a marketing campaign? Like, I think that's where it gets yeah. convoluted of what the word engagement means to them versus what's the point. There's this illusion because there is this illusion of this stickiness. Oh, your product is so addictive. I can come back. People are coming all the time. But this is, I give talks on like building ethical tech. And this is where I don't want to create like a product like that because I don't want people to be addicted to something I've built. I want people to find meaning and feel empowered by it and do it without being interrupted in their life with a thousand notifications. Yes. Okay. I, I guess in some ways you can have 
if it's a game or something and people are coming back all the time, yeah, you probably make more money. But if you want to create something that a tool for people, for example, like like the tool I started with, like finding people when you're in a new place, I'm not expecting someone to to open that all the time and be in a new place every day and need it all the time, right? As you make friends, as you meet new people, but your life also changes and maybe you have a baby and you want to meet new people and hop back in the app and find people with a new life experience. But building tools that are like complements to our lives that empower us and, and add an extra layer versus that consume us and distract us from our lives. I think those are the kind of the two, the two, options and i think our our world needs more more tech that that isn't completely consuming us yeah it's it's one of the main reasons why i love connecting in a different meaningful way in an online private community versus something like facebook or or instagram mm-hmm. because instagram and facebook they're not they're not in it for business owners they want you to as a business owner, the perspective is I have to have a social media presence to be relevant. Well, that may or may not be true, but really to have that social media presence, what do you have to do? You have to spend money and advertise Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's so much analytics now fighting and combating any messages that you're putting out there that your customers or your ideal clients are are not going to see the messages. So What I am hearing, which is really amazing, but what I'm hearing now much, much more about how to, you know, build a business or grow an audience. I was in a workshop, a four-hour workshop about how to monetize a podcast. (laughs) The only things that I heard were build relationships, cultivate connection, and build a community Mm -hmm. authentically. Yeah. And meaningfully and purposefully. Yes. Authenticity. Being authentic. Mm-hmm. Just being real, just just not lying to people about what the intention is. If you want me to come check out your app, great. Well, tell me why it's in, it's worth my time because everybody, you know, t- time is valuable. And so you've got to give pe- re- people a reason of why this is going to you know impact their life. And it really comes down to the business of like, what problem are you solving? Who are you solving it for? And is it something they really need in their life? Like I joined a community for stress and anxiety because I struggle with depression and anxiety every day. I was in that community a lot more than I was in other communities that weren't helping me with that problem because that was like an urgent problem that I was having, right? Mm -hmm. So things like that, like connecting to like direct messages. So if um, anybody's listening, what would you suggest to them as far as like if they're thinking about maybe your platform being something for, for their business? Uh, could you give us like a case, a case example of maybe some, some good, a good ideal client that would be a perfect fit for your app? Sure. The communities that we, we really love are communities, of course, that have that bring value to their members, um, that have some sort of purpose or impact in the world in some way. And then it's it's a lot about connecting people as a as a top priority. Finding obviously you need to have some content in there, but like you said, it doesn't have to be tons and tons of content. But if you are if your business is around already around connecting people, but you just need a digital space to to organize that to allow others to connect without you having to be the middle person all the time. Um, that's a really good a really good type of customer for us because our platform is really built for that. Um, and then also around 
yeah, matchmaking or finding people that that share interests or share skills or have different skills that that need to kind of find each other. Um, because we're using uh, tagging and these kinds of data points to connect people. Um, you can add your own keywords into the platform and then use those keywords to allow people to find each other. So I would say, again, when it's about people first, people are really finding each other, connecting, you want to facilitate that. And so we see like professional communities, for example, there's a lot of communities, either alumni communities or professional communities around women in tech types of communities, for example, there's there's a matchmaking component of people wanting to find mentors or connecting with uh, people who are like two steps ahead of them in terms of their business so that they can learn from like their mistakes. So these kinds of um, co-collaboration, co-working communities really benefit from, from a people first solution. No, so great. So great, great examples. And yeah, I don't know if you've heard, I met over in, when I was in Clicks uh, in Memphis, I met this guy, Ben, and he's the co-founder of this company called Superlinked. Mm-hmm. And we're probably going to sync up to do an interview with him, but they have a product that connects this missing part component of like this bringing people together aspect and they use it in the back end with data and analytics, which is really cool. But that's what made me think of when you're talking about like connecting and pairing. I think that's a really powerful thing. But like as somebody who might want to scale is listening to this and is like, great, I'd love to have a pairing program or, or some way to connect our um, maybe, maybe their employees, for example, there's a mm-hmm. lot of employee initiatives right now going on for online communities. I don't know if you've had that experience too. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of those. I guess my question, I mean, I know now that they're hiring like head of community inside of large companies, which is really nice to see. And rather, rather than putting that on uh, that as like an extra thing that someone has to do on top of their job, realizing it is a full-time job inside of a company. But yeah, like employee well-being in general, I'm glad to see that that's finally being prioritized. I think the pandemic had something to do with that. Right. So community is definitely, definitely a good, good spot for that. Yeah. So yeah, I think uh, if anybody's out there that has a, a company, maybe a small to mid-sized company that's looking to like bring their bring their employees together, it would be uh, that would be a really great example of how to build authentic connection inside your. Uh, existing uh, company mm-hmm. with your current employees and and how to authentically bring them together using something like this app. Uh, I think it would be great. So uh, thank you so much for sharing. Could you tell everyone if they wanted to find out more about Panion or about you, where, where should they go? Our website is panion.com. So easy enough to remember. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on I'm not very, I should be more active on social media, but like, like we talked about finding balance in our life and it's Mm -hmm. not my favorite, my favorite thing to do, but I'm on all of the platforms uh, more or less. And yeah. And and that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be when you're a business owner. (laughs) You've got to, yeah, this is the biggest thing I'm learning right now. I'm hiring some people to help me finally that I'm letting go of all the things I'm working Mm -hmm. on letting go of all the things and trying to just focus on what I really do well with strengths and things like that but honestly like I said it's social media is not the way to create connection it's really taking the time to build to identify that goes kind of a little bit back into discovery which you talked about in the very beginning so just wrapping it up by saying you have to know 
who your audience is. And if you don't really know them really well, you really need to focus on doing the research, the market research, identifying the problem you solve and who you're specifically solving it for before you decide you want to build a community because then it will be a way to scale an existing business, but it's complicated and it can be convoluted. And that's what I, I work with people on how to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. So just keeping it as simple as possible, but really focused on purpose and driven on, you know, the mission that aligns with the business. Mm-hmm. So it makes what makes sense. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. It was a nice conversation. Yeah. So good to meet you. I'm excited that you're inside, you know, the community and I hopefully uh, you could join us at other times on some events, but um, for everybody who's listening, please check out Panion uh, and, and, and hopefully you enjoy our episode. If you guys have any questions, always feel free uh, to email me deb at findcalmhere.com um, as well. If you had questions around Mighty Networks, shoot me an email. And with that, we'll wrap up. Thanks again, Melanie, for being here. For everyone who's listening, please, if you thought this episode was really valuable, or if you think maybe somebody else would enjoy it, please share it with somebody you might know. Subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on all of our awesome episodes that are coming up. We are continuing to do some live interview series kinds of studio audience slash podcasts coming up. So you will uh, start to see those as bonus episodes in Community Strategy Podcast subscription app. So anyhow, thank you so much, everybody. Take care until the next time. I hope you're finding calm and talk to you later. Bye. (music) 